Welcome. Well, you're at home with Jim and Joy, and you are an important part of our EWTN family, and we would love to hear from you. So send us an email with a question or a comment to jimandjoy at EWTN.com. And today our guest is Greg Mayo. He is an author and speaker who has written an incredibly important book on the impact that abortion has on men in our culture. And this beautiful book is called Almost Daddy, The Forgotten Story. And it's a beautiful novel. I've enjoyed getting into it um, because we work at a pregnancy medical center and I meet with a lot of men and ladies that in their past have maybe made the choice to have an abortion. And the so many of the guys come in and they're like, I had no voice. It was her choice, her body, her choice. And, and they just, you know, repeat the rhetoric that the culture is screaming at them, yeah. but their wounds are, are, they're hurting and they're broken. And so we have the beautiful privilege of helping them, great resources out there, um, where supportafterabortion.com is a great yeah. website, yeah. whether you're a man or a woman, yeah. and you are out there and you thought, you know, I had an abortion 20 years ago, 40 years ago, and I've never had this conversation <clears throat> with anybody. Um, there's hope, there's healing, and it is never too late yeah. to get that out of your soul and to air it and to articulate it and to be restored and healed and mm. redeemed and renewed by God Almighty. Greg has his own personal testimony, which I'm sure we'll hear today. Uh, so he is an author of the novel that you mentioned, Almost Daddy, and he is the chair, uh, national chair for the Men's Task Force for that great work, that great ministry, Support After Abortion, Support After Abortion. And I know if there's anything he can convey, it's this. My message, he says, is that one in five men will experience loss to abortion by the age of 45 in the United States. Those men need healing and they need to know that their grief matters. So many men suffer, as you were saying, joy in silence, because they've been told their pain, your pain is invalid. And we want to burst that bubble today. Pray that this would connect with some men out there that have been involved with abortion, directly involved, the men that you know that you're going to find hope, help, healing, a wonderful website to help you with that. Also, let's remember the Eucharistic Congress 2024. Visit EW10.com slash Eucharist, EW10.com slash Eucharist for more information. Registering through our link will give you a discount, so check it out. It's going to be a profound show today. People are going to be set free and find hope and help and healing and deliverance from bondage. We'll be right back. Plenty more to come. Please don't go away. Welcome back. Well, you're at home with Jim and Joy, and today our guest is Greg Mayo. He is an author and speaker who has written an incredibly important book on the impact that abortion has had on men 
in our culture. The title of the book is called Almost Daddy, The Forgotten Story, and this beautiful book is available on EWTNRC.com. And you can visit Greg's website. It's called almostdaddy.com. Joy, we do want to say that he is uh, the chair of the Men's Task Force for support after abortion. So he chairs yes. that. And uh, support after abortion is just absolutely in incredible. It's like a consortium of about 83 different you know, groups and it's just critical for post-abortion healing and many other great things in the pro-life movement. Well, we are excited to have you on our show. And we first, we want you to tell our family a little bit about yourself and then why you thought it was so important to write this book on abortion and men. Well, first of all, thanks for, to both of you for having me on. Um, you know, a little bit about myself. I'll tell you something. Before I, and I've always freelance written articles and whatever and, and worked with volunteer ministries, but before I published Almost Daddy, I was a carpenter and a realtor, um, right? Nothing makes sense about that, does it? <laughs> but the, the thing is, I had to write this book. And, and when I was 18, and, and if, if you're looking at me, you can tell I'm far from that now, but... When I was 18, I had experienced my first abortion loss, and again at 22. Now, I didn't find healing until I was 39 years old. That Nobody was talking about it back mm -hmm. in the late 80s, early 90s, right? And so for 21 years, there was this pain and struggle and feeling like I was alone and nobody else, no other man had experienced this, right? right. I, I get other men had abortions, but nobody had the pain I did mm -hmm. until I found out that was wrong. And so I, I, I experienced healing and I worked through a lot of books. There weren't a lot available for men even 15 years ago. Um, but as I grew in healing, I realized I needed to share my story. And so I volunteered to talk to any group, anywhere, anytime. I didn't care what they were, if there were three people or 300. And every time, guys, every single time, at least one man came up to me and said, look, I've, I've never shared this with anybody. But 10 years ago, 50 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. And, and after dozens and dozens of talks and lectures in front of groups, what I realized was if I wrote this as a novel, mm. it, my dad always said memoirs are for important people. <laughs> so, but I wrote a novel and I sprinkled parts of my story and what I learned in it. And I thought maybe that'll reach more guys and more guys will look at that and go, hey, you know what, that's my story. Yeah. Maybe I can find healing too. Yeah. So I mean, that was the whole reason for writing it. Right, it's to help somebody else right. on the journey. To let them know, another man know he's not alone. Right, because the culture really doesn't give you a voice. The culture says, you know, all men love abortion and abortion is women's health care, and this is what women need. And none of that is true. Those are all lies from the pit of hell. Well, and yeah. so we know that men are hurting. And in our nation, since 1973, 63 million babies have been aborted. So there's many hurting men and women. And a lot of those abortions have been repeat abortions because the couples are still broken. And so they're not restored, they're not healed, they haven't been able to get that pain out. And so they stay in this very stuck zone. Yep, and a trauma response often produces a trauma response, right? If you don't heal, you're bound to repeat. Uh, take a, a good example, somebody that grows up in an abusive home. That guy may be abusive or he may be the exact opposite. E either, either extreme's not healthy, but we don't know. If he's not healed, he could go either way. 
And you would think logically, okay, if, if I was abusive, I would never want to do that to anybody. But mm -hmm. we find that it happens mm -hmm. because trauma yeah. causes pain. It, there's a thing in recovery we talk about that says that we're as sick as our secrets. And so if a guy experiences an abortion loss and he's told, no, your pain doesn't matter, your opinion doesn't matter, keep it to yourself, that becomes a secret. And that secret will start eating away at him. Mm -hmm. Now, we also know that often times people will justify behavior, past behaviors by repeating that behavior again. You know, it's, it's that shame addiction cycle, but it, apply it to this. So um, I got really drunk and I acted a fool. Next morning I feel horrible. I feel ashamed of myself, I'm embarrassed. What do I do to forget that shame? I get drunk again. And it's the same thing. It's almost like a, a self-justification, right? Um, and so we have to stop that cycle. I, to me, the best way to end the demand for abortion is to heal those that are hurting and impacted by abortion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we were speaking uh, in the green room about the phrase dramatic reenactment, which somebody has used. You, you're saying the same kind of thing about returning again and again. And we see this, you know, we work at a pregnancy medical center and so we're trying to you know, work with these women in particular and giving them options, showing them their, their child. About 80% of the time they choose the way of life, but 20% don't. And when we get to that point, you know, where they said, you know, I've heard everything you got to say, I've seen, uh, this is what I'm going to do. They may not want to do it, but they're going to do that, do that, have an abortion. And we always say to them, if you decide this and you do this, come back here. You need mm -hmm. to come back here because there's so many repeating abortions that are taking place because people go, try to go back to the event, try and master it without being changed. Yeah. And it's the same scenario again and again and again. That's why you work in post-abortion healing or true masculinity, you deal with reconciliation. You gotta be a different person or you continue to act out you know, on this and just more pain for you, for other people that you're creating. And, and often act out in different ways too. It, it, a trauma here, a wound here, mm -hmm. can become an all-encompassing thing with, with your existence. You start doing things you don't want to do, right? Acting out in ways you don't want to act out and you don't understand what you're doing. For me, a big thing was I didn't have anywhere to go with my pain. And so as a man, you try to stuff it. And I did, and I tried to sort of mentally numb out, right? Yeah. And I was kind of successful at it, but then you want to feel something. And so I got into really risky, stupid stuff. How fast can I go on a motorcycle? Hey, let's tie a rubber band around my ankles and jump off a bridge. Oh, look, that's fun. Um, cliff diving, it, it, all this different stuff because that, you get that adrenaline rush. Yeah. And, and you get stuck in that sort of adolescent, this is how I feel something. It's not real. Right. It's not real feeling, right? right? And every day is an avoidance to try to get away from that. I, I told you guys, I moved all over the country for years, I, different jobs, different this, different that. It was always constantly shuffling, stepping and moving, trying different stuff. Because what I was really trying to do is not let that pain catch me. Right. I, I didn't tell you guys this in the green room, but I, you know, when I was 24, I saw a therapist. I thought, you know, maybe something's wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and five or six sessions in, I said to this guy, hey, look, um, my girlfriend had an abortion when I was 18. And he goes, hmm. Yeah, that's not really a thing, I don't think. Tell me more about your dad. Mm. And I thought, okay, maybe it's not a thing. Mm. Um, and yeah, I had father wounds and, and my dad leaving when I was six and, and issues with my stepdad and, and bad experiences with the wrong church, right? And, and those kind of things that followed me into adolescence and all that. But 
but to have a, a trained professional, to be a young man, and now at 53, I look back at 24 and goes, okay, I was a kid, mm -hmm. to be a young man, and to have a trained professional that you look to, look up to, right. tell you, oh no, that's not a thing. Right. Well, now there's even more confusion, right? right? Now what right. do I do with it? Right, and that's the culture, and even the trained culture, dismissing it. Because if we look at that pain, then we have to say as a culture and a society, maybe abortion is wrong. Maybe, maybe that was wrong. Maybe we told them a lie. Mm -hmm. And we certainly don't want to know it's good. And we're just going to keep saying it's good no matter what the results it's producing. I, I, we've had many clients and they were in psych wards. They went to, per, per, you know, trained in professional counselors for years, and no one even asked them if they were post-abortive, or if you even had a pregnancy loss. And so nobody wants to address it. But meanwhile, we're writing prescriptions. You have pain, we can anesthetize that pain. Or you might say, I'm going to anesthetize my own pain and become an alcoholic or a drug addict or... Jump off bridges and put rubber bands around my <laughs> Right, you know what I mean? And, and when we do that because our soul is crying out because there's a wound and if we don't turn to God, we're going to look to the culture and say, okay, how, how do I get happy? Right. Somebody show me how I can you get happy of, you again. You think of this on finding love in all the wrong places, trying to find healing in all the wrong places, right? Yeah. I mean, you really try, you're crying out. It, I, I, I always refer to it as playing whack-a-mole with your emotions. Mm -hmm. Y'all remember that carnival yes, game? Yes. And no matter where you smack it down, it's going to pop up in some other way. Now, what I found out later, once I experienced healing, was that not only did it affect my life decisions and, and a, a myriad of things, but it also affected how I parented when I did have children to raise. Mm -hmm. um, I was way too protective of them because I had this overwhelming guilt knowing I let two children die. It affected the way I was, the kind of husband I was. It, there was nothing in my life that was untouched. And, and so when I started going through healing, God started peeling back the layers. And for me, it was 21 years worth of layers, right? Yeah. Um, of pain and bad decisions and, and forgiveness. And the cool thing is, God didn't want me to experience those two abortions. God didn't want me to experience the behaviors that caused unplanned pregnancy out of wedlock, right? right. But God is so good and gracious. And, and when I started experiencing healing and I met with my pastor every week and a therapist who knew what he was talking about mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yes. and, and read all these books and I started going through this and God went, hey, you know what? I want to use your story. Mm -hmm. I didn't choose that story for you. Right. But since you've turned back to me, let me use it to help somebody else. Mm -hmm. and, and that has been the most beautiful thing about what I've been doing. Um, the book on the front cover, it, it, it's my, myself years ago and what is now my 21-year-old mm -hmm. son. Mm -hmm. um, okay. it, it makes it more real, right? Yes. And, and for him to see that and to see where I've come from. and uh, So healing also goes out in ripple effect, I guess what I'm yes. saying. It also goes out in layers and touches everybody around yes. you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some people use the phrase, the shock waves of abortion. So yep. It's not just that man and that woman. It's the grandparents. It's the parents. It's the cultures, shockwaves. But you're saying there are love waves yeah. when you get healed up that that, thank God, begins to spread. And I know that's the message you want to get across, but we can't get it across without speaking about the impact on that baby, of course, on that woman, on you. And uh, you, your book title, Almost Daddy, I was thinking about when you were sharing about the therapist you went to who said, you know, it's really not a thing. And, and the opposite of that is, 
I was almost a daddy. A daddy, you know, it's a da he wouldn't use that term, he would speak about father, but you, you somewhere inside of you saying, this is about fatherhood, this is about being a daddy. And, and this thing got all messed up, me in part, whoever else, I let these children die. That's a man thing. I let them. Right. I let them. Because that's the masculine thing. We're going to speak more about this, I guess, tomorrow or whatever, but the impact, the symptoms, how men deal with this in some of the same ways, but in different ways. It's different because we're masculine. And the title itself, the almost daddy thing. Yeah. When I was in my 20s, I was playing tennis. Long story short, these little kids from the neighborhood came out and I was trying to show them how to play. And, and some people I were playing with when the kids left said, you're gonna make a great daddy. Mm. And in my head I thought, I was almost a daddy. Mm. But I never said it out loud. Well anyway, years later when I start writing this manuscript, that, that just kept popping in my head over and over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, there's a sense in which you're still a daddy, not almost a daddy, but yeah, almost a daddy is the reality. And I just hope that this is touching someone that's watching today. Guys who've never spoken wouldn't dare to speak. They've been told in a variety of ways by the enemy and by this culture, you have no right to speak. You have no part in this. But I was almost the daddy, you know, and that's still in me. Mm. And this is impacting me. But the good news is that there's healing for that once we can open up and share that, once we can expose that to the light and other people that do understand what's going on here. There's great hope. But, but the thing of Satan is it's not enough that a child is killed. He wants to torture people. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think the baby's going to be okay in the long run spiritually. But the issue is out regarding us and what we did in our involvement. I deserve death. I deserve to be punished. I deserve, you know, those kind of things with a man. They, you know, how they can deal with that, it, it's a more violent kind of way than women do sometimes. They're just sad. I didn't nurture. I'm supposed to nurture. I'm supposed to protect. Uh, you know, instead I'm involved in this, in this death. And that's why... It in the movie, um, The Patriot, at the end, toward the end, Mel Gibson's character says, I have, long forget, I have long thought my sins would come back to find me and the debt would be more than I could bear. Many men feel that way after an abortion. Mm -hmm. um, I've talked to hundreds of men at this point, and, and, and when I share that quote with them, you can tell it resonates. They think that everything bad that happens in their life, like you're talking about, Jim, yeah. is, is somehow punishment for the abortion. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely the work of Satan. Right. If, I, if, if I'm Satan and I can keep you isolated and in your pain yeah. and, and believe in your unforgivable, unredeemable, yeah. unhealable, yeah. then I've won. Yes. Right? And, and we miss the extravagant mercy of God. And so we, and we believe the lie that his blood wasn't shed for us and his blood cannot redeem my sin and his blood cannot set me free. And so here I have to stay bound up. And that is just a lie. And God's saying, you know, know here and know that I will bring purpose to every evil that has happened in your life and I will bring a greater good to everything. I have to punish myself. Right. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing, because mm -hmm. this is the way of forgiveness. How messed up is that, right? But that's what we're thinking, and we live a life like that. Because, yeah. And how many people have said to me, I know God forgives sins, but I did. Okay, whatever you fill in the blank with after, God still forgive you. Right. Um, and, and so trying to get that message to guys, try, and trying to get them to sit still long enough to say, <laughs> look, and you know what I'm talking yeah. about, mm -hmm. sit still long enough to say, look, dude, you're not the only one. There are a lot of other guys who have experienced this. Why don't we get together 
in person at a coffee shop. Why don't we get together on a Zoom? And you can hear some of these other guys. You can talk to these other guys. And I'm so encouraged now by the number of younger guys who are closer to their abortion yeah. story. Yes. That are coming forward and saying, hey, man, something doesn't feel right. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. um, everywhere I speak, everywhere around the country. And, yeah. and because it's a lot easier when it was a year ago to dig through that than That's when right. it was 40 years ago. We're right? going to pause at this point. We're going to hold you over for the final segment so we can share a few more minutes. And then, of course, continuing on tomorrow. So uh, you can visit uh, Greg's website, almostdaddy.com. Almostdaddy.com. We'll be right back. Plenty more to come. Please don't go away. having a powerful conversation with Greg Mayo in the whole area of post-abortion healing and recovery. We were speaking about numerous things, including your novel, which is just absolutely tremendous, almost daddy. Uh, but you also have a study guide, a 12-week study guide, kind of based on the 12 steps, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we want to hear more about that because it's something very practical that can really help a lot of people. Share with us. Yeah, so six months after the novel came out, yeah. people started asking me to write a recovery guide for men based on the 12 steps. Okay. I had a lot of experience with that. And I thought, oh, okay, we'll give it a shot. And I wrote it, and the impact has been incredible. It, it's a 15-week, because oh, a few of the steps we spent mm -hmm. a little more time on. Mm -hmm. But it walks a man through from the first realization that, hey, this is a problem, all the way to the last step, which is a short version way to say it, Jim, is finding purpose in your pain. Mm -hmm. So it encourages... Let's say that again. Finding phrase. purpose in your pain. That's good news. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now I've experienced this. healing. Now let's go take it to another guy. Mm. Um, both are available in English and Spanish. And hopefully by spring will be available in German. A lady in Austria contacted me. and um, okay. So any, anywhere we can go, right? Anywhere it can yes. help. Yeah. Um, so does it have to be a facilitator for this that's doing the group? Or can somebody do that on their own? Or how does that work? Do I just read it through and answer the questions, or what are so the options? A guy can go through it by himself. Yeah. My strongest recommendation is that you go through it either in a group with a, a man who's been through healing himself, kind of a mentor, mm -hmm. or with your pastor, deacon, priest, therapist. Um, for me personally, when I went through my recovery, I was meeting with a pastor every day or every week yeah. and a therapist. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can get too much healing, and I don't think there's too many different <laughs> right. people that can help right. you. So yes. a guy can go through it by himself, but I think it's more impactful if you have someone kind of helping you through it. Mm -hmm. yeah. We only have about a minute left, so just speak a word to our viewing audience today. Uh, maybe it's a man that you can address, or maybe it's a woman that's married to a guy who's post-abortive, and speak a word of, of hope to them. So I, I think the biggest thing, the most important thing to share with either is that hope is, po or hope is possible, healing is possible. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that whether it was a year ago, 10 years ago, or 50 years ago, that God wants to forgive you Amen. and God wants to heal you. Yes. And, and, and if you're a woman and you know your husband's been impacted by this and, and he's not talking about it, encourage him to, to talk to a priest, to talk to a therapist, to, to read a book. It doesn't have to be mine, just read a book. Mm -hmm. But 
encourage him to get help because it does impact your life and it will continue to impact your life negatively. Why not let God and healing impact your life positively? Totally. And also okay. the book is available on audio, right? So if they're it, not going to read. It'll be on audio by April. Uh, excellent. Okay. So that then they can hear that. Well, thank God we have tomorrow to mm -hmm. share more. There's so much to share here. Thank you for today. We look forward to tomorrow. Pray this has been helpful for many people out there today. It's not the unpardonable sin. It's a grievous thing and sin, but it is God's will to forgive and to give hope. And as St. John Paul II said, you may even become one of the most eloquent spokespersons on behalf of the dignity of the human person, marriage and the family. Greg is a, is a living example of that. God bless you and all of your loved ones. You're an important part of the EWTN family. You're never alone. You're always at home with Jim and Joy. Bye now.